Hello and welcome to Popcast. I'm your co-host Rose Kelly and joining me is my co-host and co-editor Kelly Lorraine Andrews. Hi, hi, hello. Welcome to the Popcast. We are editors at Pretty Owl Poetry, a quarterly online literary magazine that accepts poetry, flash fiction, and art. And you are listening to Popcast. So this month, we're celebrating one year of Popcast, which is insane. Crazy. Um, yeah, we. I mean, we do one a month, but the fact that we've kept up with it for this long, I, I feel really proud of us. Yeah. Uh, and I thought we'd take a look back at everything we've covered over the past year. Um, and also, we can talk about the origins of Pop 2. Sounds good. Yeah, I kind of can't believe yeah. that we're celebrating in a year, but I think... It's been good. I mean, I, I look at the stats a little bit so I can tell people are listening. So hello to those who are listening. And I think us doing it monthly has been a solid choice given the content we've been covering. Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, like the journal itself, I mean, we're entering year six or we're in year six for yeah. the journal. So it's it's not, I mean, I'm like, oh my God, it's like so wild how fast the year has gone by, but really six years have gone by and like doesn't even feel like that long. So it's it's yeah but a lot of things have changed too um since we first started just even the podcast we've you know added in pop craft which is like our tarot prompt um based uh submissions i'm like losing my mind okay so uh <laughs> like trying to like describe it but i'm just like oh okay uh so pop craft is people are sending us submissions but also we have our um, editor Kim Gritbowski Strayer, which I think, I think she's going by KG Strayer now that I think about it. Um, but you, yeah, anyone can send in a submission and basically they're free prompts to get you writing that are based around tarot. See end. <laughs> um, and yeah, we've had like a lot of like our past contributors this year of, like so many of them have had like huge successes that I just feel like really lucky that we've published the people we've published thus far. Yeah, for sure. Well, so do we have some journal updates to share? I know we usually start with that. Yeah. So our biggest news right now is we have some changes to our masthead. Um, after two years with the journal, Alexis Olson is going to be stepping down from her position as assistant editor. Uh, Alexis was our very first intern at the journal. Um, and she was, she is amazing. Uh, her creativity and hard work is going to be really missed. Um, we'll have like a little bit about Alexis in our August newsletter, which should be out next week before the end of August. Um, and we also said goodbye to our editorial intern, Kayla Romanelli, her internship. She was working, she was working for credit through Pitt and, um, her time was, you know, her, the semester was over. Um, and the good news is, is that we've hired on another editorial intern for the fall semester, Rachel Bendis. Um, Rachel, I'm going to read you a little bio about her because she's pretty great. Uh, Rachel is a fiction writer, poet, and editor from Pittsburgh and holds a BA in fiction writing from the University of Pittsburgh. She is the author of Before the Sun Wakes Up, a children's book dedicated to promoting acceptance and equality in the minds of young children, which is really beautiful. Like whenever we did the interview, she brought in her book. She had like this amazing portfolio. I was like, oh my gosh, you're like super cool. So I'm really excited to work with Rachel this semester. And I think she's going to be a really great addition to pop. Um, other than that, we released our 22nd issue, I guess last month, 
11th, um, July. Does that sound right? June, July. I don't know. The summer is just like literally like flown by and I have no idea what day it is. Um, And we have new prompts up for Popcraft and, and of course, new uh, episodes of Popcast, which featured our last one was with Wheeler Light. And we're still reading submissions for the fall issue right now. Um, but we take, you know, submissions year round. So even if, um, even if, you know, you want to send to us like three weeks from now, we'll probably be, we'll probably have our picks in by then for the fall issue, but we'll be looking for the winter issue directly after that. Yeah. It's such a whirlwind. Yeah. I mean, even just looking back over the past year of podcast, I mean, we've covered a lot of the big sort of issues that one could cover in a podcast, like how to submit to us, you know, motivating yourself to write, being rejected or accepted. Um, We've also been able to feature like great writers, like you said, like Wheeler Light and S. Brooke Korfman. Um, What do you, what, what's been your favorite episode of the past year for podcast, Kelly? Um, this is like a, I mean, this is like a surprisingly tough question. I was actually just thinking about how funny it is that our being rejected and accepted um, uh, episode is like the most listened to because yeah. I think people <laughs> people think that it's not about submissions. It's like I'm guessing that's how like we're getting so many hits on that one. Um, but I really I really liked that one. Uh, it was like one of the most honest conversations we've had on the show, and I thought that like you know both of us really were candid in what we discussed for like our own ups and downs with regard to publishing our own work, um, which, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I just appreciate that. What about you, Rose? Yeah, I think that's like the key to, I mean, I think that's why people listen to podcasts in, in certain cases is like that honesty that some people share. Um, I, I actually really enjoyed the episode on freelancing and side hustles. I think because it's, it's a pretty important topic to me, but I also think it might be helpful to our listeners who are thinking about getting into that as just like some extra mm-hmm. cash. Um I think if you're a creative writer and you want to do it for a living or you just want to write for a living, it's kind of important to talk about how to freelance, where to find work, what to charge, and so forth. I also think it's like one of those topics that's not really discussed because, one, I think people people sort of undervalue writing as a skill or something you could charge for. Um, not all people, but I think it's just scary at first to think that you could get paid to write. <laughs> um, I also think people are kind of afraid to talk about money and what they should charge and um, – People are also maybe afraid to talk about freelancing because, you know, what if their current employer were to hear it? And I don't know, some people, you know, my employer doesn't mind freelancing, but some do. So, um, but I don't know. Personally, I've learned a lot from talking to other writers and modeling their approaches. Um, So I enjoyed talking about it. But on that note, I did want to tell you, um, I wrote a freelance piece and it took me four months to get paid, which seemed like ridiculous because usually it takes them about eight weeks and I'm like okay I can deal with like two months um but I finally I kept like going back to my contact and they wouldn't write back to me and like I was like oh yeah it was really annoying Uh, meanwhile the contact is always like up my ass if like you know he needs something from me but so I just called the client this I was this is like for a bigger institution so I just called their finance department and explained what happened and the person on the phone said it should have taken like 30 days and it was clearly like they hadn't submitted my invoice in a timely manner at all. Yeah. Oh my God. So all of this to say, That's- the lesson here is like, don't wait on your contact 
you know, just like go straight to finance if you can figure out who the finance person is. It wasn't that hard. Like I basically Googled it. I yeah. figured out who to call. And now my check – well, I got my check, but it was only for half the amount that they owed me. I don't even know what happened. So, oh my God. yeah. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. What I don't know how there? people freelance like full-time. You have to have so much money saved up. Like yeah. just like a kitty, you know, to in case like things happen like that where like your checks don't come through. Totally. It would be really stressful, I think. Yes. Definitely. I really like that episode too though because we got sidetracked in the middle of it and talked about um, <laughs> my role freelancing with Princeton, which then like resulted in me getting a bump in pay, which was, you know, all thanks to you. So I was like, good. You know, that was that was especially important for me because I didn't even think to ask for a raise and then we just kind of like, you know, in the midst of conversation that got brought up and I was like, oh yeah, that that seems like, yeah, you're right. You're Are right, you like notice This is like personal, but are you like noticing a difference now, like on the paychecks? Um, no, because I'm just burning through money. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. So as soon as it's deposited, it's like gone, you know, like. Gotcha. I've been, like lately I've been like really into going to the chiropractor. I just started trying out acupuncture and so like. I, you know, I still have co-pays for all these things. So I probably spent like $200 this month or like in the last six weeks on seeing a chiropractor and acupuncture, which is like crazy. But I'm like something I just, you know, I want like something to make me feel better. And so that's like my newest venture is just, well, maybe if like, you know, if I just get rid of the tension in my shoulder, <laughs> yeah, my whole, my whole world will change right. my whole outlook. <laughs> I think, you know, we had some. I mean, I thought we had a couple of episodes that were a little tricky to record for one reason or another. Um, when we introduced Potcraft, we had KG Strayer on the line, which was our first time having like a third person that was also remote um, calling in with us. Uh, you know, we've had like our, our two past guests of Wheeler Light and Esbrook Corfman. Um, I'm, I was lucky enough that they were here in Pittsburgh and we could just kind of like hover around my microphone in my living room and, um, record that way, which was fun. But I think, you know, with, um, with Kim, it was a little bit more difficult. Um, yeah. And what I, think else? She, I think she was in a room that's was echoey like and I think she was trying not to be but for some reason that's what's hard is when people don't have microphones which you can't really expect everybody to have like a plug-in microphone um so it's kind of tricky that way yeah and I mean we didn't have a plug-in microphone until like three months ago true (laughs) true (laughs) (laughs) I like I'm pretending like we just us just like leaning into like our macbook airs exactly (laughs) oh my god it was nice whenever um, the guests were, like, in your house. Yeah. 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 I, like, I, and, like, I think that one of the things that, like, I've noticed, too, in that scenario is, you know, when you're recording a pop, or podcast, like, you don't see what the other people are doing. You know, like, I don't see your mannerisms to know when you're going to, like, try and jump in or, like etc. And so whenever I had somebody there, it was really nice because like the flow of conversation was a lot easier for me because I could see like, oh, okay, they want to like say something now or like I wanted to like interrupt them and say something and it wasn't like just us like talking over each other. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. What do you think are like some of our trickier, trickier episodes? I don't know. I guess for me personally, the episode on chat books 
was kind of tricky, but that's mostly because I really haven't published any. I mean, I just, I learned so much from you in that episode and I enjoyed picking your brain, but I feel like I didn't really have as much to contribute. Um, and then, I really like talking about myself. <laughs> well, and I like, you know. I like asking questions. So I think it kind of works out. Um, yeah. But it's also just been a super long time since I've done a reading. So the episode on like literary re- reading etiquette brought me back a little bit. Um, it kind of motiv- motivated me to think like check out like read- readings in my area because I sort of just like let that go because it's it's just not as I-, I feel like in Pittsburgh there's like stuff happening all the time and it was really easy to do that when I lived there and here I have yeah. to be like I don't know it's kind of more suburban so you have to really think about can, you know can you get there on time because it's not like a city so um, right but I think like one thing that's been great just in general about recording these episodes, besides getting to talk to you, which is always nice, is uh like looking back at Pop's history. Like you were saying, we've been doing this for almost seven years and um it's just changed so much um since like this became your what do you call it, brainchild. Um maybe we yeah. could like I don't know if we ever talked our talked to our readers about the evolution of the journal, so it might be helpful to like take them behind the scenes. Um well, you, yeah. yeah, I think we did like touch base on it in our intro episode, yeah. but that was like really short. And like, you know, I mean, who even listens to every single episode and goes back? It's probably probably not a lot of people. So, yeah, we've been around for six years, which again, I'm just gonna be like, it's so wild that we've been here. Also, if you hear some meowing, my cat has decided, Lorna D has decided to join me. Aww. Um, Right now, so and there's oh my just, God. I can't lock her out. I can't lock her out of the room because she'll just like cry the whole time. I hear you. Um, so the short version of how Pop got its start is I had just started my MFA program at Pitt, and I was reading for their uh, online lit mag Hot Metal Bridge. And I remember wanting to have more of a say in what pieces we were publishing. You know, it was like a very democratic process, but there was a lot of us. Like there was probably six or seven people like in the poetry section alone that were voting. And then we would have meetings and then talk about the pieces that we thought um, we should publish. And even though I had like a voice there, I didn't I just I realized I really wanted to do my own thing. And, and like in addition to Hot Metal Bridge, because I'm very much an overachiever um, and I like to distract myself with like work. Like if I'm if I have a lot of if I'm overwhelmed with work, I just like do more work. So I recruited Rose, you <laughs> and Gordon Buchan as editors. And we just like started the damn thing without really knowing what we were doing or what it was going to look like. And it's really just continually evolved since then into our current site, which, again, features Popcraft. Uh, podcast obviously and we've held numerous readings over the years we've interviewed authors and I have other plans on the table for us that'll take some time to get off the ground but you know we're just just seeing what all we can I, I just like I'm just excited by like the poss- like the possibilities for pop are like endless and we keep changing and growing and that's really exciting to me it is exciting I, I've, I've loved all the new people we've added over the years and I think back to the initial days of the three of us, and I feel like the hardest part was just getting everybody on the same page about the vision. Yeah. I just, I just think about all the emails we used to have on, like, the design, like, colors, fonts, and it was, like, fun to talk about this stuff, but it could also get really exhausting, uh, like, just because everything was over email, and it's hard to, like, tell tone or, like, you know, people get busy or – Right. I don't know. I personally felt, for me, 
that things just got a lot simpler when you became editor-in-chief. Like, I'm not all about the hierarchical system, but I just think if you're starting a journal like this, like you kind of need a leader who's going to be the person that's super organized and, like, is going to send the reminder emails of, like, hey, you know, things are, you know, readings are due or yeah, get your submissions, like, read by September 13th. Um, I don't know. You just need somebody that has, like, a vision and can execute. So I think we stepped up our game whenever you became editor-in-chief and also when we got submittable submittable that was huge i think for us um what do you think yeah i think it made, it made our lives some submittable really made our lives so much easier in terms of tracking and then also what's nice about submittable is we have like just like stats of like you know like um because of because they track everything i know that we accept less than five percent of all submitted um poems and and all, all submissions sorry i don't know why i'm like floundering here um so you know like i would never have taken the time when we were doing it via email to go through and count how many rejected submissions we had versus total submission and figure out that so that's really cool because then it i don't know it keeps me um i think it like helps me determine like what we should be publishing as well yeah. um and in general i was you know, before before I became EIC, I think I was afraid of failing as a leader of the journal. Like I wanted us just to be like this collaborative thing because, you know, if it didn't work, then it wasn't just on me. Yeah, fair. <laughs> but yeah, but once I started like really hiring interns and mentoring them, um, that's like when I realized that I wanted to push Pretty Out to be more than just an online literary arts journal. And I was doing a lot of like, stuff in Pittsburgh, um, with the readings as well, that just really signified to me like, okay, um, I, I want this to be bigger than what it is. And in order for us to get there, I'm just gonna have to, you know, do it basically. Yeah. I mean, looking ahead, I think it would be really cool if we could produce like a print version at some point. I don't know, maybe for a 10 year anniversary. I know it's like a lot of money and a lot of work, but, um, there may be like, a big reading or show like party. I know you were kind of planning one at one point. Um, what are you thinking about the future of the journal? Like, can you share anything about where you want to take it? Yeah, of course. Um, so printing an anthology of like the pieces we published throughout the years would be amazing. Uh, of course, all of these things that like I want to do are just like, we're only inhibited by the costs of, right. um, you know, like we just for anyone who cares out there, we had to delay like the the recording of this episode because we normally record um, through YouTube and Google Hangouts, and they like changed their setup so that we would have had to have paid like two hundred dollars or something to use their thing. And I don't even think that was like a one time price. Like it seemed like it was like we might have to pay that again down the road. So yeah. we had to like switch to Skype. So there's always like these barriers that we kind of, you know, everything costs money. Um but I have been applying to grants, uh mostly Pittsburgh, like local based grants, um, in the hopes of starting a print chapbook press. Like that's like the dream is to us to have um like I want to call it pop press to keep it on brand with, you know, pop craft and podcast. Um and maybe produce like, you know, anywhere from one to four, maybe build up to four um, chat books a year. I was thinking like in my head, it's like we the off months that we aren't producing um, the the issues, then I would be working on the chat books. But that's also just like a ton of work. <laughs> um, and we would we would need to like 
expand more too in terms of our staff um, to be able to produce those sorts of things. Yeah, other things I'm thinking about for the future of Pretty Owls, I'd like us to be a resource for writers. Um, so like Chad is in the early stages of researching how we can promote our past contributors' books on our site. Uh, I'd also like to have a page on the site that lists other places that are great resources for writers, like Trish Hopkinson's blog, um, I think it's called A Selfish Poet, or Entropy's list of places to submit, et cetera. So not only are you coming to us to get, uh, you know, potential prompts for your writing, you can see where else you should be submitting, um, you can read poetry, you can listen to a podcast about publishing, I mean, and then hopefully, you know, you could buy some really beautiful chapbooks that we create. So that's like, that's, that's the dream. That's the dream life. But I mean, all of those things are, you know, definitely years in the making. Um, and I'm just going to, you know, I have to get them, I have to secure money first before yeah. we can really move forward with those things. And once that happens, then I think it'll be a lot easier to, um, to put those wheels in motion. I have to say, I was pretty amazed when we um, kind of needed cash for submittable. How like how quickly we fundraised for that? Yeah, <laughs> and like people, I know, and there's like yeah. Sorry, go ahead. I would say people contributed like people I know that I never would have thought would do that. Like my neighbor. That's amazing. You know what I mean? It was really uh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that you know, I probably should have asked for more money <laughs> or, you know, I might try to do another fundraiser, but it's scary. It's really, we never, we had never asked for money before that. We'd always just covered all the costs out of our, you know, like out of pocket. Um, and it's hard to ask people to like help pay for things that you love to do, you know, like it's, right. it's a weird thing. Um, but I think, you know, next year, whenever I, I mean, I would kind of like to use the model that this American life uses where like only once a year they ask you for money and that's that, you know, I think that's like, I don't want to be constantly hounding people like donate the pretty out. Um, but I think next year, you know, if I can't get any kind of grant funding for us, then I'll try to raise like maybe, I think $1,500 would cover our costs of the journal and um to start the the uh the print press yeah but i also need to figure out a but you know there's so much research and things to go into and it's just like good god no i know it's a lot it's a i lot. need like a finance person <laughs> yeah so, exactly um, this is kind of a tough question i had just like thinking back at, at like the evolution of the journal and just different people we published do you have a favorite contributor to the journal over the years i know it's like really hard and probably not Something you totally want to answer. I guess I I do have one, but the reason is interesting. Um, I think it's because I think mine was Michael Martone, who's sort of like a master of flash fiction. I, I just I thought it was so cool because I solicited him and he wrote back to me within like 24 hours and was like, yeah, here, That's here amazing. are some pieces, which is just crazy because you think, you know, like the power of soliciting. I don't know, which which I yeah. learned from you. So what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I. Actually, that was like one of the things that uh, in grad school, they encouraged us to do. They, they actually encouraged us to write letters of appreciation to poets we admire in this publishing class I had. And like the goal then was, you know, not to expect anything in return, like not even a response. Um, but because I was running a journal, my one professor encouraged me to actually solicit people. Um, and that really, I mean, just changed really opened the door a lot for us. Like 
I poets that like I never thought that we would ever get to publish responded. Um, I guess one of my favorites, like I just kind of lost my shit, was whenever Matthias and I never say his last name right, Selena. Yeah. Uh, can't yeah. can't pronounce it right. Uh, I solicited him and he sent us back these. They were like nine poems, quote unquote, uh, that were from this series he was writing called 80, 88 Poetic Forms. Um, and what I love about Matthias's work is that it is, it's just like so goddamn original and like nothing else that is out there right now. So I was really excited by the form of the poems and the content, obviously. But I remember being really worked up about which ones out of the nine we should publish. And I talked to my professor and he was like, well, why don't you just publish all of them? And I was like, oh, my God, we can do that. We can publish all of these. And he was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, like we're we're doing this. Like we're allowed to do whatever we want. <laughs> Never even like occurred to me that like we could just take all of them. Um, so it was in a way a really like huge turning point for me as an editor. Also, um, when Gordon was on board, he solicited C.A. Conrad, who I absolutely adore. Um, also, Zachary Schomburg. I mean, there's just been, like, I, I feel bad because I'm just, like, naming, like, you know, white male-ish poets. So C.A. Conrad, I think, is non-binary. But um, there's been a lot of, like, really, really great people we've published. Um, those are just, like, a few of my heroes that I never yeah. never thought it would be possible. I know. It's amazing. The power yeah. of just asking. Yeah crazy I love it well this is good I don't know if I I mean any other like thoughts as you think back I mean we have a lot lot in the future which is great I uh, I'm starting to think that after listening like after talking to you today that we should maybe do a focused episode on how to start a literary journal like or like lessons learned yeah lessons learned I mean there's there was a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and, the, and we're still learning you know it's not like we're, we're suddenly experts about this. Right. Like we have to like, you know, just like, again, this episode where we thought we were going to be able to record it last week. And then we just had to like scramble to find a new platform. And you don't even really know if you can edit it yet. Like we're, we might be like just talking to each other and, and no, <laughs> I know. that. And like, you well, know, that's, that's the other thing. Like even with podcasting, a lot of people are, it's like a DIY sort of thing and I mean there obviously are people who study this like audio editing in school but we're kind of just like I just like google stuff and try to figure it out and hope things don't break and I should have been right. paying attention honestly it's sort of my fault a little bit because I had seen a note about like things changing on YouTube live but I didn't really know what it meant it just kept saying like August 1st you know whatever and then when I logged on I'm like whoa what's going on this is like totally different and Anyway, but I think any of those messages, you know, like who who reads the terms and conditions? No one right. reads those messages. Yeah, exactly. But we're gonna keep doing what we're doing. And uh, any other final thoughts, Kelly? No. Um. Thank you, everybody. Like so far, who's you know made the journal possible and contributed to our our success. I feel like just super proud of what we've put out there into the world thus far and excited about what we're going to continue to publish. Yeah. And we would love to hear your feedback on like what you want to, what you want, what you want to hear on podcast. You can email us at pretty poetry 
at gmail.com with any of your ideas. Thanks everyone for listening and don't forget to rate, subscribe, do all the things to make podcasts still happening and we'll talk to you next time. Yep. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Our endings are always so strange. I know. It works. <laughs> <laughs>